Good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? Good. My name's Casey. I'm part of the team here at Northwood Church. Again, in behalf of our lead pastor, Jordan Dakota, we want to welcome you to church today. Also, live from Long Beach, we're located in Long Beach, Mississippi, Gulfport, Mississippi, Wiggins, Mississippi, and soon to be Ocean Springs. But Long Beach is joining us live today. Let's give it up, everybody, for our Long Beach location. Yeah. Good to have you with us today. And those watching online, it's so great to be here. Uh, we are in a message series called What Do You Believe? And God was the emphasis this month. And this will conclude this segment of the series. And as you saw, we're going to pick up next month with Jesus. You don't want to miss it. I will say this about our message series. Um, you know, if you're picking up today for the first time uh, today, we really want to encourage you to go back to Northwood.Church and watch the individual messages within these, in this particular series because they really build upon one another. They're like building blocks. And so if you're just here for today's message, you're not going to get the entirety of what we're trying to communicate unless you go back and listen to it. And uh, you'll be glad you did. And so you're not going to be able to satisfy every question that you have, by the way, in each one of those segments. But overall, I think you can get some answers about God. And our mission statement here at Northwood Church is we want to help people know God. We want to help people experience God. We want to help people understand God. That's why we exist as a church, and that's why we get together as a church, so that we can know a little bit more about God, so that we can be further equipped to carry out the mission of God. And uh, we have the opportunity to do that. And uh, you don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss out on that opportunity. And during this series, you know, it's very important that as you're wrestling with your faith and as you're growing in your faith and your understanding of God, that you understand why you believe what you believe. I think that's really reasonable to have, first of all, not just for yourself, but for those around you. You know, we're, we live in a world where people are asking a lot of questions, and we have the opportunity as the church, as image bearers of God, to be able to give a reasonable answer for our faith. 
I think that's reasonable. I think God wants us to be light in a dark place and we need to have answers for people asking questions because I believe that God wants to cross your paths with people who have questions so that you can tell them about the love of God. And that's what we're wrestling with this, this month. And we're gonna continue next month. This, what do we believe? And, and how am I gonna grow in my belief? And how am I gonna share that with others? It's a privilege to share that with others and it shouldn't be intimidating. And I think the further you understand God and the further you dive into the mission of Jesus, the more confident boldness, love that you're going to have around the people that you don't know yet, that people that might be having questions that you're the answer to their questions because you get to tell them about your faith, your reasonable faith. So remember, if, you, if you're catching in right now, if you're tuning in right now for the very first time, go back and listen to all the messages because they're going to build upon one another. Pastor Jordan, last week, we talked about the attributes of God. We begin to disclose the attributes of God. And by the way, there's six attributes that we're covering. Pastor Jordan covered three last week. I'm gonna cover three today. And there's other attributes, obviously, that we're not able to cover. But last week, Pastor Jordan talked about holiness, the holiness of God, and the jealousy of God, and the righteousness of God. Today, I'm gonna talk about the wrath of God, the mercy of God, and the love of God. And it's so easy to get isolated in one of these attributes that we can almost get into a box thinking that God is just this portion. God encompasses all of these attributes, by the way, and there's not one attribute left by itself or alone, or you can put it this way, isolated from the others. That's so important when you think of God, think of God holistically, right? We couldn't take away uh, the emotional side of you and just only talk to you about your intellect, right? And we were created in the image of God. So God encompasses many attributes. And sometimes we can take one of the attributes out of context on accident and we isolate God to our limited understanding. And so our goal is to realize that God encompasses all of these and there's not one without the other. Make sense? So if you take one attribute of God out of context from the others, you end up with something or someone other than the God of the Bible. And obviously, we have the ability to do that on accident. We, we, we as humans, this is a human thing, by the way, uh, we, we, we are famous for taking things out of context, including each other, right? Look, let's take a look at this circle pick. Go ahead and throw that circle pick up there for us. Don't you love the incredible graphic design? What we've realized is that that type of graphic's trending now because everything else is not. Now, anyways, a trending graphic is easy to understand. And we see God in the center right there. And we see some of these attributes. They're all connected to God. There's not one without the other. And so, you know, one basic in Bible hermeneutic or a way to interpret the Bible is to look at God's attributes or his character from Genesis to Revelation meaning the entire counsel of God, the entire word of God, to realize his redemptive nature, to realize some of his attributes and how we can communicate those attributes as image bearers in the earth today. There's some things that are not our responsibility, but there's other things that we can be a part of, which is a fascinating truth, by the way, that we are actually made in the image of God. We know in the beginning book of Genesis that God created man and woman in his likeness. 
In his, in his character, in his nature, God created them, man and woman. And it was perfect harmony with God. It was uncorrupted, uh, it was uncorrupted power. It was uncorrupted communication in God's perfect design. But then this thing called sin slipped in and came into the picture. And sin is like a virus that corrodes the perfect genetic coding of God, the perfect the, the, pro, the intelligent designer we know is Jesus. It's unbelievable. And so what we have to realize is that we now, because of Christ, can actually reflect some of these attributes to the world around us. God redeems what was lost in the garden through Christ. That is what we believe. That's what we hold tight to. And we believe that because of that redemptive power, it ties into our redemptive potential, which is to be image bearers for Christ. Your greatest redemptive potential is when Christ removes the sin in your life and you're able to communicate his attributes to the world around you. That within yourself, you couldn't do it. But with God, all things are possible. So when we talk about reflecting the things of God and being image bearers, and we're talking about the attributes of God, and how we can communicate those attributes through our life for his glory. We've got to think about one of the attributes today of wrath. God is wrathful. Now, I know that as soon as you heard that word wrathful, you're thinking of the guy with veins popping out of his neck. Right? You're like, oh my God, that was me earlier this morning on the way to church. <laughs> Choking somebody to death. Is that a good illustration? <laughs> I think so. We do. Or when, when I say wrath, we think about anger that we've experienced as individuals, where we've seen abuse, where we've seen the strong hand of a man, where we've paid the price, and automatically we assume, because that's entrenched in our neurological pathways based on our experiences, that God's like that. That's not divine wrath. That's not what we're talking about. That's human wrath. That's inexcusable. And it's not the wrath that's pure and lovely and holy. It's not the wrath that was connected to all the other attributes within that circle graph that we showed you earlier. And when we isolate the word wrath based on our understanding, our level of awareness, we accidentally take God out of context and we think of human wrath. God does, God's not interested in sinful anger He's interested in righteous indignation, holy anger. And there's a difference. He talks about sinful nature and how it's really not his plan for us to, uh, to communicate human wrath. Let's look at it. Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, you know the famous saying, vengeance is mine I will repay, says the Lord. That can be a very difficult scripture depending upon your circumstance. That is a scripture to wrestle with. That, that is something that we have to understand is that the human wrath on man in, in, in an unsinful state is, does not produce the righteousness of God. We think about Jesus in the New Testament. He, he, he came into the temple 
And there was a lot of things going on in the temple at that particular time that was really not in order. And Jesus, he, he made a statement. He said that my house, talking about the church, talking the place of gathering, he said, my house will be a house of prayer. And he turned over tables and ran out basically the wrong motivation that was in the temple. And some would look at that as, man, that's terrible that Jesus would do such a thing. But we didn't understand what it was accomplishing. That's why I said you can't take wrath and isolate it away from love. You can't take wrath and isolate it away from mercy. For those of you who really love your children, I know we got a few in here. And, and, and that child, you love, you love that child. You understand me? I mean, you love that child. You come into my house, have a child, you, vengeance is mine. The Lord will deal with me later, right? This is my baby. How many men we have in the house and women, by the way? Yeah, come on, don't mess with my baby. It's instinctually built into me for his glory. <laughs> but that baby or that, that young adolescent, guess what? They're not always going to be moving in the right motivation or the right mindset or in, in the right way. And so what do you have to do? You have to discipline with love. That's a very small illustration in comparison to an infinite God that we serve. However, we can relate to it experientially somehow, some way, but we don't understand the depths of his love. We can get a glimpse of the depth of our love for our loved ones to where literally I will die for my loved one today if the choice is mine. But it, it, it doesn't even hold water to the love of God. So when we think about wrath, I want you to think about it from that standpoint so that you can really hold on to something. You know, God's wrath is different than some of the gods that we study in ancient culture, like Greek mythology, for example. Greek mythology uh, states that gods were almost needing, they were like empirical tyrants who would want to crush people unless they were appeased. You watch the movies. We have to appease to the God. We have to make blood sacrifices for the God because all we're trying to do is appease to him. How many of you know the God we serve is not like that? God's wrath was already appeased at the cross. And so now we're not trying to appease God with our worthless sacrifices. We're trying to please him because the one who was sacrificed lived on the inside of us. And so that's, that's the mindset, that's the biblical interpretation of, that, that's the proper view of God. That's the holistic view of God when we look at wrath. And again, I, I wanna state that it's impossible for us to be able to answer or satisfy every question in regards to wrath. It's something to wrestle with. But let's talk a little bit more about wrestling with the wrath of God. Divine wrath. This, this, so if I'm wrestling with the understanding of wrath, I, I, I really want to try to anchor myself again. And I'm embellishing the point that God's wrath is different from ours because if not, we're going to have a bad interpretation. Listen to this. Divine wrath is to be regarded as the natural expression of his divine nature, which is absolute holiness, or you can say perfection manifesting itself against the willful, high-handed, deliberate, inexcusable sin and iniquity of mankind. Where there would be no sin, there would be no wrath. If God didn't deal with sin, he would be unrighteous. But because of his glory 
and because of his infinite intelligence, because of his design that we are only trying to scratch the surface on, which is exciting to think about the afterlife, we realize that God is just and that his wrath is to be worshiped in a sense, to understand that we have a God that understands all things. How do we know the accounts of Jesus? Think about it. When we talk about God's wrath like that, we, we know that Jesus came in the form of man, that God came in the form of man through Christ Jesus, and that he suffered the same afflictions on this planet that we suffer and understood the iniquity of mankind. It was God's perfect plan with Christ on the earth. And he understands that. Sometimes we don't understand. You know, when you think about wrath and holiness against unrighteousness, you can go back to something in the Old Testament called the flood. When you think about God's natural expression, his divine nature, you've got to think about that in the flood. It said that God saw no righteous man on the earth or woman no righteous man, no righteous woman, that there was iniquity, there was evil of all kinds, that men in, invented more ways of doing terrible, you can imagine. Before the flood, you can imagine the cruelty. You, you, you could imagine the torture. I mean, it was just, there's no telling what that looked like. We can only imagine, right? We can only think about it. But it says that God found Noah, he found Noah, and Noah found favor with God because wrath is connected to mercy. And so we see God's wrath on unrighteousness. We see God's mercy because where there's wrath, there's mercy, and where there's mercy, there's wrath. Does that make sense? You know, the thing about us as finite beings, when we look at a picture like the flood or we try to explain it and we, we try to teach about this, we, we really run out of our understanding. Eventually, no matter how smart you are, right? You're gonna run out of your understanding. You're gonna reach a limit. You're, you're gonna reach a place of, of where your awareness stops. And what happens when we reach that place, we move into assumption. And assumption is a dangerous place because we start assuming things about God based on our lack of awareness or understanding, and then there's a gap because we don't know the whole story of God. We don't know the whole story of unrighteousness back there with, with Noah we just talked about. We don't understand what was going on with the flood. We don't, we don't have the whole story in mind. We, we don't understand the, how patient maybe God was for periods of time and, 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 and people cursing God. We don't know the whole story. And because we don't know the whole story, we start assuming, and the assumption gap is the lowest level of understanding. So if you want to continue in the lowest level of understanding, operate in assumption. We do that with one another, don't we? So we do it to God and let me say this, if you're a skeptic or, or you're an agnostic or you're an atheist or you're still wrestling with your faith, your story is also still being written. So, so what we have to realize is maybe we don't really understand completely in its entirety, but guess what? My story's still being written. Even if you're an unbeliever and you're wrestling with your faith, you're watching online, you might be in the room right now, you might be right there in Long Beach. 
your story is still being written and what your level of awareness is today might not be the same in a year. So welcome to the journey. It's wonderful. Are you operating in assumption? We can't operate in assumption. We have to operate biblically. And we believe that the word of God is authoritative and inspired and can be trusted and it's reliable and it can be authenticated. And it's been, it's been authenticated for centuries, by the way. It's the longest lasting book there is and more people study the Bible than any other book in the world. It's unbelievable, the authenticity of the Bible. And so we take it as authoritative. We believe in the close canon of scripture, Genesis to Revelation, that's authoritative, that it's good for reproof, or you can say for reprogramming. And we can lean upon it. Instead of leaning in assumption, we got to go back to the scripture. And that's what we're trying to do. We carry on in Romans about the wrath of God so that we can't lean on assumption, that we have to lean on the scripture. We have to anchor ourselves in the scripture for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. That's intriguing. Because God has shown it to them. How has he shown it to them? His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature can be clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So in other words, what he's saying is that creation itself reveals some of the mysteries of God. And so that God, so to me, you know, that tells me there's mercy with wrath again. That's telling me that it's not just wrath against the unrighteous people who suppress the truth or what sin does. He's saying, no, with wrath is mercy. With wrath is understanding how creation itself. You want to increase your faith? Study the ocean. I like in Proverbs, Solomon God talked to Solomon, he said, study the ant. Do that for about 50 years and you have a little bit more understanding. Sometimes we're like ants, right? Trying to understand, but we anchor ourselves in the Bible. What Romans says, Packer backs up, that God is gonna have his way at the end because he says God's wrath is his righteousness reacting against unrighteousness. That's biblical and it's good and it's just, and it's pure, regardless if we understand the layers of that or not. So it's something strongly to consider when we think about God's wrath as his righteousness reacting against unrighteousness. It's a great place to be to think about, well, where do I fall in in this? Am, am I in a place where I'm still skeptical? If so, I think that you would consider the scripture and go on a journey of discovering what the scripture means, because all of us have a finite reasoning that can tend to lead us to assumption, and assumption leads to the lowest under, level of understanding, which then leads to deception. And so we've got a great opportunity to continue to dig at what we believe. And, you know, as a believer, this really deepens my gratitude for the love of God. It deepens my worship. It compels me to urgent living, missional urgent living. When I'm urgent, meaning this, 
I'm gonna take every opportunity that God gives me. And if I feel that I miss an opportunity, guess what? The sun rises in the east and sets in the west. A new day is coming. That's what we always say, you know, as preachers, we can preach and can be horrible, but Sunday's coming. It's okay to make mistakes if you're authentic and you have love operating in your life. You're not gonna have every word, but you need to know a word. You need to have something to, a reasonable faith. So it deepens our gratitude. The wrath of God deepens our gratitude. And we have the ability to reflect wrath. Now I got some of your attention right there. You're like, now you're talking my language. Trying to tell my spouse that earlier, that I'm mad at that driver in front of me, and I'm going to run over him. <laughs> Here's a way that we can communicate the wrath of God. Let's start here. Hating sin in my life and what it does to destroy me and my family. Hating the coding of sin. You know, it's funny, they got neuroscience scientists nowadays, Christians, and they study the effects of sin on a DNA level and how it can mess your DNA up, man. It's unbelievable. When we think like God, I think we're holistically more healthy. You know what I'm talking about? Because we have some thinking, stinking thinking. But I, I, can, I can communicate wrath by standing against evil in my home. Meaning, as for me and my house, we're going to serve Jesus, not in a negative way, but in a way that is passionate, that says, I understand what sin meant for me. It meant to destroy me. It wanted to kill me. It wants to enslave me, and it still wants to silence me as a Christian. It wants to silence me and reduce my power and leave me in condemnation and cause me to curl up rather than stand up. He's not, sin's not my friend. And how many of you enjoy the corruption of sin and what it does to this world? Anybody? I don't. It's horrible what's happening around this, what's been happening. So we stand against that in Jesus' name. You know what I mean? And so I say start reflecting wrath within your own personal life. Start winning some matches against sin. Take it out. Sin's crouching at your door. Some of you might love the wrath of God and you don't want to isolate, you don't want mercy attached to wrath, you don't want love attached to wrath, you don't want some of the attributes that Pastor Jordan talked about last week. You just want to talk about wrath. And by the way, I'm not pointing at you, but <laughs> you just want to talk about wrath and you want God to destroy the earth again. Now, destroy them. Shatter their teeth. You're like the psalmist. Shatter the teeth of my enemies, oh God. How many pray in that kind of prayer? Right? Shatter their teeth. Well, when you start praying that way behind closed doors, God will help you. Trust me. At least you're praying. Shatter their teeth, God. Let me say something about God. Again, his wrath is connected to mercy and love, and we know patience is love. Second Peter talks about it. The Lord is not slow in fulfilling his promise. He doesn't wear your watch, I'm sorry. He's patient toward us, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is the God we serve, 
It's called mercy. The answer to wrath, guys, is mercy. God is merciful. God is merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. God is merciful. Man, if you study the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament, especially in, 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 with the children of Israel, God's chosen people in the Old Testament, you'll see account after account after account where God was withholding judgment and wanting them to repent continually. Even with Jesus, if you look into the New Testament, it says that he wept over Jerusalem and he, and he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, why have you killed my prophets? Why have you stoned them all? Still yet in the dispensation of grace and mercy, God is infinitely intelligent. His design is perfect and his timeline is flawless and he is merciful. We talked about the flood. Where there was flood, there was mercy. We saw Noah found favor in the eyes of God. Where there was wrath and judgment, there was mercy at the ark. The ark, the ark was a symbol of mercy. Some theologians look at these things called types and shadows in the Old Testament, and, and, and they say the ark, which was made out of wood, is a type and shadow of the cross, a symbol of mercy, a symbol of grace, a symbol of redemption. The cross, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4, it says, But God, being rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy is God withholding from us what we rightfully deserve. That's the definition of mercy. That's why we worship. <laughs> That's the type of God we worship. Wow. Mercy. Withholding from us what we rightfully deserve. We know the Bible tells us that the penalty of sin is death. So sin deserves wrath. So mercy comes in and the wages of sin were death, but... The free gift of God is everlasting life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Where there was wrath and judgment, there was mercy. That God makes a way where there seems to be no way. It's a mystery. The New Testament talks about it in the time of Paul the Apostle who was apologetically really debating Greek mythology and debating other religious scholars at the time. And he said that, that the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. With our finite reasoning, we have an inability to understand the depth and the height and the love of God that's seen through Christ Jesus. But because of his mercy... And through our confession of our faith through him, he enlightens our heart by his spirit that you can't see with your senses. But he enlightens your intellectual faculties to where you're able to see more of the depth of God because the word of God spiritually discerned. We were blinded to it. But because of Christ, he begins to open up the curtain some to us and begins to reveal his glory his limited glory while we're here on earth. So there is a way to, 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 to understand God by his spirit and his word. They work together. 
That's our goal here as we continue to try to help people know God. What about us? We talked about human wrath is not good. We talked about how to really exhibit wrath in our life against sin and evil. What about, what about mercy? How do we do that? Well, Matthew says, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. The same mercy, old school saying, the same mercy that was extended to you through Christ, you can extend to others around you. Blessed is the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Why mercy anyway? Why wrath? Why? Because of love. That's why. God is love. God is love. He's the essence of love. He is the creator of love. He is love. And there's so many layers to this thing called love. I mean, I shared with you earlier about your love for your child. There's no comparison in God's love for you. Love is the most powerful force in the universe, literally. Like it's the most powerful brainwave. Like in the beginning, God created man and he created brainwaves. He created energy. And the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus, the unconditional love, the love of the Father is now in us for those who are following Christ. And we can extend a measure of that to people around us. There's power in that. There's power. People receive love. People people can tell a fake from a fake. Let's put it that way. That's why the, in the New Testament, it talks a lot about different gifts and, and how people operate in different gifts. But Paul the apostle was very, very uh, keen on saying, you can have a lot of things, but if you don't have the love of God operating and flowing through you, the love of God that's found in Christ, you, you're just making noise, right? And so we don't wanna just be making noise. I wanna have an impact, Right? We're authenticated in our reasonable faith by love. That's, love authenticates our message. It, 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 it accredits our message. Our message is no good to people unless we have love, period. That's how, that's how we replicate it. That's how we uh, reflect that to the, world, to the world around us is love because God loved us so much that he came and got us. Sproul said this, we're saved from God, by God, and for God. He's everything. He did it all. We did nothing. The plan is done. Now Now we can align ourselves with the plan. And that's the, that's the great thing to do, is learning alignment. Learning connecting with the source of all power, of all energy, of all created things. His name is Jesus. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The mediator, his name is Christ. He's the source of all energy and power. He's the source that we can tap into and flow in, absolutely. He's the maker. He's the intelligent designer. By the way, knowing that we're saved from God, by God, and for God tells us that now I can operate in my redemptive potential. He restores to us what was created in the garden, corrupted by sin, but now in Christ, he redeems that, and now I can walk in my redemptive potential on this planet as I'm going to the afterlife, which should be getting more exciting, right? Here's what redemptive potential looks like. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. And he said to him, Jesus, he said, you shall love, he's talking to a guy who was questioning him about the commandments and, and Jesus was asking him and he said, this is it. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. And you should love your neighbor as yourself, essentially. 
This is a picture for you and me. We should love the Lord our God with every intellectual faculty that we have, every emotional, every physical, everything we love God with and then we love others around us with. And the only way to continue to operate in that level of love is through forgiveness. Christ forgave us, we forgive others. That is the most difficult law to attain. It's a law of the universe, by the way. It's set in place that we forgive. And that's the only way we're gonna be able to carry that, be love carriers. Because once unforgiveness starts operating in your heart, it quenches the love of God for other people. And it, and it can be seen in a lot. The tentacles of unforgiveness can go deep like a web into your life, into your soul, where you don't even realize you're walking in unforgiveness. It's a trap. But because of the word of God, because of the spirit of God, he will bring that level of awareness where you say, ah, oh, I'm operating in revenge or I'm, I'm operating in resistance or I'm, 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 I'm operating in this negative energy, this negative emotion, this unbiblical state that's not God's perfect plan, but I wanna continue to reflect love. The only way I can do that is through forgiveness. And by the way, you're gonna have plenty of opportunities to learn this law. (laughs) Right here in the church. You know, forgiveness is not needed unless it's tested. How how are you gonna learn to operate in forgiveness unless you get your cheek slapped? Never going to know. You're never going to know what it looks like to surrender to forgiveness unless somebody pokes you in the eye. It's easy to get, I'm a forgiving person, but you pop me. My dad always says this, my name's Jerry, not Jesus, so I advise you to leave my property right now. I like that. If you're watching Big Jerry, we love you. At least they know he's authentic. He warned them he wasn't Jesus and was probably not able to operate like Jesus, so run. Right? Forgiveness. You have a chance to forgive your pastor. You have a chance to forgive your wife. You have a chance to forgive your kids. You have a chance to forgive your coworkers. You have a chance to forgive your boss. You have a chance to forgive yourself so you can keep operating in the power of God. You know? Forgiveness. If anyone does not love, does not know God because God is love. You can put for anyone who does not forgive does not love. Love is powerful. Man, love is bold. Love is sacrificial. Man, when's the last time you reflected sacrificial love? When's the last time you reflected bold love and went against the grain to express it? Love gives you the courage to do what you know you need to do. You know that? I'm thinking about love. You know, love, love is amazing. The love of God in us through Christ. It emboldens us to be able to do things we otherwise weren't able to do when we tap into that. You want to know something to tap into? Tap into the love of God. Piper says, knowing God is the root of loving God. Knowing God is the root of loving God. And that's our mission statement here, is to help you know God, to help you understand God, to help you experience God, so that you can go back out and reflect God to the world around you. My question is today, do you have the right reflection of God 
personally? Are you able to maybe take a step back and look at the holistic view of God? Realize that maybe you've been operating in some level of assumption. I know this, that Romans says the love of God is that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us and that love covers a multitude of sin, past, present, and future. Such a powerful truth. I think it's a great way to end this attribute, this message today is with love. Just close your eyes right where you are, right there in Long Beach, right there online, right there in this room. Meditate on the love that's found in Christ. Allow the imagination to work. Allow God to use your imagination. The depths of his love are so great. God, your love is so great. It goes far beyond my understanding, God. I embrace it right now. I embrace your love that's found in Christ, God. I pray that you deepen and enrich my gratitude. God, I pray that you deepen and enrich that love in my soul, God. I want to operate in the love of Christ. That's what we're confessing today. For those of you who are Christ followers, I want to operate in your love, God. I want to operate in that source of energy. I want to operate in your biblical truths, God, that has a physiological effect, a psychological effect, a neurological effect, an emotional effect on my life for your glory and my good, God. I want it, Lord. So we're like the psalmist says, search my heart, O God. Is there assumption in there? Is there unforgiveness in there? God, we just lay it at your feet because you're king and you know all things. And for some of you in the, in watching online right now, joining us, and some of you in this room right now, some of you right there at Long Beach location, you, you really feel that you've never experienced or understand any of these attributes we talked about today. But you feel in your heart of hearts, in your inner man, in your gut, in the innermost part of you that God is drawing you that he loves you. And there's something inside of you confirming that that's God drawing you. The Bible says that through God's sovereignty, he draws all men by his love, all women by his love. And if that's you, we want to give you the opportunity today to respond to the hand of God initiating your faith. And what we do is we just, through the confession of our mouth, we, we, we surrender to a God, an invisible, all-knowing, infinite God. Let's do that. If that's you, Lord, we surrender to you right now. In our level of understanding, God, we surrender to you because we know inside, past our finite reasoning, you're doing something to us. We surrender to that right now, God. Jesus, we want to thank you for dying on the cross for me. Personalize that for you. We thank you that you rose again. And we believe in that. We put all of our trust in that. We put our everything in that. And we know that it's God's plan for man to redeem us. So if that's you, you just surrender to God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give it up for those who prayed that prayer, everybody. So excited for you. Come on, Tom. Hey, thanks, Pastor Casey. Hey, who else got something out of the past few weeks talking about what we believe about God? Anyone else other than just me? It's been awesome. And I'm super looking forward to the next several weeks as we talk about what do we believe about Jesus Christ. 
like Pastor Casey was just saying, he's the author and the finisher of our faith, and we're going to be diving in deep and looking at what do we believe about Jesus Christ. So make sure you come back next week and in the, in the following weeks for that. It's going to be amazing. But uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Tom. I'm the assistant pastor here at the Gulfport campus. And what I want to do is I just want to uh, bring something to your attention um, that Pastor Casey talked about a little while ago. It's our What's Next card. And some of you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Casey. And be, because God's been doing something in your heart, he did something in your life this morning. And you took that step and said, you know what? I'm placing my faith in Jesus Christ. I want my life to be different. I, I'm, I'm done trying to do it my own way. And here's what I want to do is, um, first of all, I want, I want to say congratulations. And second of all, I want to help you take your next step because you just literally began a whole new journey. Your, the trajectory of your life literally just changed. So if you could fill this out and just drop it off in one of two ways, either right at our next steps area in the back of the room, we got a couple ladies back there who would love to say, hey, congratulate you and get some information in your hand. Also, um, you can drop it off in one of the white buckets at any door as you exit. But what I'm going to do is I just want to reach out to you, uh, text you, send you an email, give you a phone call, whatever you feel most comfortable with. And I want to uh, help you take that next step. Um, I don't want to leave you hanging. I don't want you to think you got to do this thing alone. Um, You just entered into a family. So I want to be the first person as part of the family to help you along. All right. Sound good. And also for those of you who maybe this is your first week here, or maybe you've been around a couple weeks, you're like, man, this kind of feels like home. I want to make Northwood Church my home or get some more info about it. Same thing. Drop it off at our next steps area or in a bucket as you leave. Sound good? And can we give it up again for those who accepted Christ this morning? It's awesome. I also want to bring attention, uh, like we do every week, to our prayer team. Uh, just an amazing group of people that are going to be standing right up here uh, by the stage as um, as soon as we dismiss. So if there's anything going on in your life, you're like, man, I just, sometimes I don't have the words to pray for myself, and you need someone just to agree with you in prayer. That's what they're here for. Um, they're folks that are uh, trusted. Um, they're, they're, everything you tell them is confidential. So if there's anything you need to pray about this morning, just come right back up here um, as soon as we dismiss. Also, uh, we want to always mention uh, that we believe in the act of worship through giving. Uh, there's four ways to do that on the screen behind me. Hey, guys, we give a lot of money to a lot of amazing things, and it's all done by people who faithfully give. And we're able to, and we were talking about reflecting Christ. What a tangible way to reflect the love of Christ by uh, doing amazing things for people who are literally in need. So uh, don't forget about that. But go ahead and stand up. I got one more announcement as we get ready to go here. For those of you who have never been, or maybe you have been, but especially those of you who have never been on a short-term missions trip, we got all kinds of opportunities this year to get out on a trip. I'll tell you, I did my first international uh, missions trip last October. It was life-changing. I can't wait to go on one again, but I just want to let you guys know, next Sunday is the deadline for our trip to Cuba this year. So if you're interested in getting uh, in on that trip or just want some more info, there's a website behind me. Also, if you want any more info about any of the other trips we got going on, northwood.church slash missions. Uh, be sure to check that out. And anything else, uh, we do have other things going around on around Northwood, so make yourself available to this. Pick one up. It's our info guide. They're in the stands as you walk out today. That's all I got. You all have a great week, and we'll see you next week. See ya.